in the transition from Thanksgiving, December 1, and now we enter the Christmas season, I just thought it'd be good to, one more time to give thanks and to, to bless the Lord. We are beginning the Christmas season. We're beginning a new Christmas series entitled Rediscovering Christmas. And this morning, I want to talk to you on the subject of rediscovering the gift. And I want to do this. I don't know if you've received any Christmas gifts yet, but uh, when you leave today, uh, we want to, uh, Calvary wants to give you a gift. In fact, I've got it in my pocket, and uh, it's not the only one. We have one for each of you. Uh, but we have this, this wonderful Christmas gift, uh, and it says, uh, discover the gift. Uh, and it's got our church logo, and above our church logo, it says this, for unto us a child is born. For unto us. I love that. I love that idea. It's, it's, one of the, it's one of the most quoted scriptures when we come into the holiday season, what Isaiah prophesied centuries before the babe was born in the manger of Bethlehem. It was a promise that his children looked for, and it's a promise now that we celebrate for unto us. I don't know I don't know the approach that you take to Christmas. I don't know the approach that you take to a Christmas tree. I'm going to let you in on uh, a not so closely held secret as it relates to me. I love gifts. I'm not saying that to try to get anything from you. Uh, honestly, I'm not. Uh, but I really do. I love gifts. I am one of those guys that when I walk in and I see gifts under the tree, I want to know which ones are for me right? I do. Fascinated by it. And I love the idea of gifts. I love the idea of, of receiving gifts. I love the idea of giving gifts. They say it's more blessed to give than to receive. I got to be honest, I'm happier when I receive. I'm just telling you. Love it. Um, we've had some experience, uh, some interesting experience as it relates to gifts in our household. One year, I may have told you this story already, but um, one year uh, I was, I happened to be doing a funeral and in, be in between the visitation and the actual funeral portion, uh, there was a little bit of a gap and I was on the other side of town. And so I was sitting there, I didn't have a whole lot to do. And I looked and there was a dollar store right across from the, from the funeral home. And so I called my wife and I said, Jody, I said, I'm going to buy each one of our children 12 gifts from the dollar store. And I want us to wrap them up and put them under the tree and just cause our children to kind of freak out because of the number of gifts that are under the tree. And uh, let me just say this. My daughter was super excited. And my son was very concerned. Um, my, my son was like, Dad, I, I'm, I'm really concerned that you have spent way too much money on Christmas this year. Like, I think you've gone over the top. I think it's probably bad financial stewardship. He is... He's maybe 10 years old at this point, right? And he's talking to me about how much money I spent on Christmas. And, and I assured him, I said, son, I want you to know I've got this. I've got this. Uh, and when they opened up the first gift, uh, and it was like a dollar pair of gloves, he's like, okay, I guess maybe, Dad, you do have this, <laughs> right? Um, but we, we spend a lot of money as Americans, we spend a lot of money on Christmas. In fact, we spend a lot of money. Black Friday. There are, there are 260 million people over the age of 14 in the United States of America. Of those 260 million, 137 million people went shopping on Friday. How many of you went? I know a lot of you, you're afraid to raise your hand. You're like, I don't want to admit it. I was out there, uh, but I don't want to talk about it because, right? 
but, but over half, over half of Americans bought something, bought a gift, not just, not just like milk, milk doesn't count, but bought something, bought a gift, over, over half of America bought a gift for someone on Friday. And, uh, and they, they don't have the numbers out, but if the trends, if the trends are consistent with what they were uh, for the last few years, 2019, uh, people will spend on average on Black Friday, not for the entire holiday, but just on Black Friday, they will spend an average of $635 per person for a total of $87 billion. We spend $87 billion on stuff, right? Stuff. Have you ever bought something on Black Friday and later you went, why? Why? Look, I can get a $35 pressure cooker for $10. I don't need a pressure cooker, but for $10, how can I pass it up? Am I the only one that have been su- that's been sucked into this? Right? We, we have to have it. You know what? It would almost be a sin not to purchase it. Right? You walk in and, and you tell your loved one, look how much money I saved. You spent $637, but look how much money I saved buying stuff that I normally wouldn't buy if it weren't for these insane ads. I, I, have, I have a need for nothing. And yet, you know what I did Thursday morning? I got up, I, I, I smoked a turkey. It's the first time I've ever tried it. So I, 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 got the, I got the turkey in the smoker, and then I sat, and I went through all of these ads. And halfway through, I said to Jody, I said, I don't know why I'm looking at these ads. Like, you haven't told me anything that you want for Christmas, and you're the only person I buy for. She buys for everybody else, and uh, it works out really well. And her birthday's Christmas Day, so, I mean, how good is that? Uh, but I said, I don't, I, and there's nothing I want, there's nothing I need. Like, I'm looking through these ads, trying to convince myself on some level, subconsciously, that I should participate in Good Friday because... It just seems like the right thing to do. It seems like the American thing to do. It just seems like the Christian thing to do. Because after all, isn't Black Friday the start of Christmas and aren't we celebrating Jesus? Yeah, yeah, I just heard that collective moan in the back. Gifts. The way that we approach gifts. And the way that we approach Christmas overall. You know, in Iceland... Uh, it is a it is a tra- tradition that what they do is they exchange books on Christmas Eve. Uh, it's a it's it's a tradition. It's part of a season called. Uh, jo- 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 I'm going to try to pronounce this. I have it written down. Let's see if I can get this out. I should have put it on the screen and made you guys say it. That would have been much better. Manny, come here. Bring a microphone. Okay, you got to have to take a microphone. Okay, what is that word? Yeah, come on. See, you guys, you collective pause. I know I'm a communicator. I'm supposed to be able to do this. But this guy's a speaker too. You got it? Jola Bucca Flood. Jola Bucca Flood. That's really, that's how you, Anthony Lee. Anthony, Anthony Lee travels the world as an evangelist. Okay? Anthony's going, why is he picking on me? Okay? I just want to see how anointed you are. Okay? How would you pronounce that word? Jolaka-baka-flaw. Jolaka-baka-flaw. I think you added a K in there somewhere. Okay? Kevin Kringle. Kevin Kringle. Kevin Kringle has pastored a megachurch in America. Okay, I'm going to give you a shot at it. Okay? Now, don't add an extra K uh, like, like Anthony did. Okay? But that word uh, right there. 
Are you Icelandic by any chance? No. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Yolabakaflad. Okay, there we go. So one of those pronunciations is reasonably correct. But let me, let me, here's what it means. It means the Christmas book flood. Wasn't that so much easier? So in Iceland, they, they practiced the Christmas book flood. Some other interesting, just weird Christmas traditions. So I love this. Bolivians celebrate Misas Togalo, which means the mass of the rooster on Christmas Eve. Uh, people bring roosters to midnight mass to symbolize the belief that a rooster was the first animal to announce the birth of Jesus Christ. We will have a Christmas Eve service here at Calvary. Do not bring a rooster. Okay? If you're Bolivian, we, we, we celebrate Bolivia and all that you do. Uh, we don't do roosters here at Calvary, I want you to know. Uh, by the way, in Sweden, in Sweden what they do is they have the Yule goat. And the Yule goat is designed to protect the Christmas tree. Syrian children receive gifts from one of the wise men's camels purported to be the youngest and the smallest in the caravan who fell down exhausted at the end of the long journey to Bethlehem in Poland. Any Polish people here? I, I like the fact that they're like, I, I, I'm tempted to raise my hand. George raised his hand. Do you know this? That po, po, one of the traditions in Poland is to decorate the Christmas tree with spiders and spider webs. Yeah, kind of Halloween meets Christmas, right? So the reason that they do this is because th there's, the, there's this tradition that a spider wove a, a blanket for the baby Jesus. So I'm just wondering, uh, Gabriel family, when we come over to your house, will your Christmas tree be decorated with spiders and spider webs? See, you can repurpose those Halloween decorations, those of you that decorate for Halloween. You had no idea, did you? That's Here at Calvary, we're here to help. Even the idea of the idea of giving gifts. Okay. Um, how about Scottish an ancestry? Anybody here of Scottish ancestry? Okay. So wave. Let us see your kilt. And uh, you know, in 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 Scotland, in about um, in about 1580, their king strongly discouraged the celebration of Christmas. And then in 1640, they outlawed the celebration of Christmas, and they didn't repeal that law until 1958. So in the 50s in Scotland, it was illegal to celebrate Christmas. The idea of giving gifts the way that we give gifts now really didn't start until the 1880s. And while we're on the subject of interesting Christmas stuff, it wasn't until the early 1900s that Santa Claus was a jolly character with a smile on his face. Santa Claus was this, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town and he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So you better be good for goodness sake. You know who made the jolly Santa Claus? Coca-Cola. It's the truth. The first picture of a jolly Santa Claus was done in an ad by Coca-Cola. And yet we think that these traditions that we have, you know, we think, oh man, they go back, they go back, they go back. And again, modern gift giving didn't happen until the start of the industrial age, like in the mid-1880s. And now, I, I saw, this shocked me. Um, 
most of you know I wasn't here last Sunday. I was, I was speaking in Ireland. I was finishing up a leadership tour that I was asked to do over there. And what amazed me is all last week in, in Ireland, uh, which is, which is they're, they're, they're channels that broadcast across uh, the entirety of the UK. Uh, you know what were the biggest ads on in Ireland? What do you think? Black Friday ads. We have now passed on the, this tradition, this wonderful Christmas tradition of Black Friday, where we're now passing it on to the rest of the world, which, quite honestly, for me, was disappointing. How about this? How about we pause for a moment here at Calvary, and as we begin the Advent season, it's December 1, 25 days till Christmas, we take a moment we breathe and we say, God, give us an, a new understanding. Give, give us a, a fresh perspective of the reason for this season. Christmas started in 350 AD. Pope Julius said, we have to do something to co-opt this pagan holiday that is a celebration of the winter solstice. And so... Rather than celebrating all of these false gods, rather than celebrating this, this idea of nature, how about we celebrate the creator of all nature? How about we celebrate the one who gives us all that we see? And so, 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 so while we know this, and you'll have some people, by the way, every once in a while you get somebody who's had all the joy sucked out of them uh, who will say, I won't celebrate Christmas because it's not Jesus' real birthday. I, I'm going I'm to let you on a little secret. Are you ready? Anytime you want to give me a gift, we can celebrate my birthday. Right? You with me? So wouldn't, you, wouldn't you have that disposition, disposition of, as well? If people want to come up and give you gifts today, would you let them sing happy birthday to you? Absolutely. So we don't know what particular day Jesus was born, and December 25th seems like as, as good a time as any. And if we can take one of the holidays away from the enemy and make it a godly holiday, I'm all in. And that's the reason why I celebrate, I celebrate Christmas. The idea of the Christmas tree. The idea of the Christmas tree. The Christmas tree is celebrated because it, it stayed green. And so because it, 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 because it stayed green, it, it, it had a representation, even in pagan traditions, it had a representation of the possibility of eternal life. In that, it makes sense. How about we take it from this pagan tradition and, and we celebrate the one who's the giver of eternal life. And so I'll let you know, we've got a, we've got a Christmas tree in, uh, in our house. We have a Christmas tree in the church, in the sanctuary of the church. Okay, And we're not going to dance around it. Okay, like the pagans did. But we love the idea of celebrating and taking everything that God has given and even what the enemy tries to use to distract and really cause it to focus on Jesus, which is the greatest gift for unto us. I want to talk to you about this gift this morning and why it is that we should embrace it. And more than that, why we should give it. Let's take your Bibles this morning and turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, we're told this, very familiar portion of Scripture, Ephesians 2.8, tells us that, it, that it, is, it is by grace that we are saved through faith. That it's not, 
It's not from ourselves. I, I love the way even that's, the, that's worded. That it, for it is by grace that we are saved through faith, right? It's not by works. It's not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is the gift of God. It is the gift of God. I want you to say that with me. Ready? One, two, three. It is the gift of God. Let's say it again. It is the gift of God. What is it? It is the gift of God. See, the, the gift that he's given us. What is that gift? For unto us. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. See, we are saved because of what Jesus did. This gift that God gave, born in a manger in Bethlehem, lived a life demonstrating what it means to walk in godliness and holiness, offered himself for us the ultimate perfect sacrifice for the imperfections in our life. What the Bible defines as sin. Because we are imperfect. I'm imperfect, you're imperfect, we are imperfect. In fact, I'm telling you, if it's flawless, it's fake. If it's flawless, it's fake. I had that conversation this week with my son as he went ring shopping. He said, so dad, what, what do I need to know? And I said, here's what you need to know. You need to know that when you're looking at diamonds, it's all about carrot, cut, and clarity. And I said, son, every diamond that you look at will have some sort of flaw in it. Okay? And, and, and the amount that that flaw is, it speaks to the issue of the clarity. I said, but if you find a perfect diamond, it's a, it's, it's a fraud. And so we live in this imperfect world. We're imperfect people. And, and the consequence of that imperfection is it makes it impossible for us to genuinely connect with a, a perfect or a flawless God. Except God makes a way for us to have this intimate, personal relationship with him and to have an eternal life with him through this gift of Jesus. And that's what it tells us in Ephesians chapter 2. For it is by grace we've been saved through faith. It's, it's not from ourselves. It's a gift of God. What does it tell us? Well, if we go a little bit back a little bit in, the, in this chapter, in, in chapter 1, or chapter 2 rather, it tells us in verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. As for you, you were dead in your transgression and sins. This is true of me. It's true of you. It is, it, is a, it is a current condition of anyone who has not accepted the gift of salvation that God makes available through Jesus Christ, the reason that we celebrate Christmas. As for you, you were dead in your transgression and sins. So this gift that God gives, it brings life to the lifeless. It brings life to the lifeless. Jesus made this declaration during the time of his earthly ministry. He said that he came that we might have life and have it in abundance. I, I want to I challenge you with this thought this morning. That life is not meant to be endured. 
It's meant to be enjoyed. And God, God's plan for you is not survival. It's not even just success. God's plan for you is significance. You matter. And God has this wonderful, dynamic plan for your life. I'm 100%, I'm 100% convinced of this, that within each and every one of us, there's this extraordinary inside. I find God goes at great lengths to tell the story over and over again. You can start in Genesis and go all the way to Revelation and you find these stories of God stepping into the situation of an ordinary individual and taking them to a place of extraordinary. Over and over and over and over and over and over again. And it would be easy for us to, get, to, to have the misconception that somehow they were special. I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced the reason why God over and over and over again goes to the ordinary, and not just the ordinary. Take, for example, the story of Gideon. Gideon said, I'm the least of the least of the least. And yet the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And uses Gideon to have this incredible victory over a, a massive army. When, when, when the king of Israel is to be anointed, who would be the forefather of Jesus, he wasn't the oldest in his family. He was the youngest in his family. In fact, his father didn't even think, when the prophet asked to have the sons brought before him, the father didn't even think to have this son coming out of the field. Eh, can't be David. Even, even in the eyes of his father, he didn't seem to be something extraordinary. He didn't seem to be something special. When we look at Jesus picking his, his tribe, his, his inner circle of 12. None of these were standouts in their community. They were ordinary people that said yes to an extraordinary God and said, every gift that you want to give to me, every gift that you want to bring into my life, I'm in. And that's what God does. He brings, he brings life to the lifeless. And if, if you look at the very next verse, it says this. It says, it says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Uh, when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. When you followed the ways of this world and the ways of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the, the enemy, the, Satan, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. See, God doesn't just bring life to the lifeless, he brings freedom to those who are held captive. It's, it's a wise gift. It's also, it's a worthwhile gift. Let, let, let's go forward a, a few verses to, to Ephesians chapter, uh, uh, Ephesians 2 chapter, uh, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. It says, for we are God's workmanship, or we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus 
to do good works. You know what that means? And uh, I find amazing joy in this. See, you are his workmanship. Stephanie, you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Jim, you're his workmanship. Nathan, you're his workmanship. He created you to do good works. Now, God spoke and the world came to order. Right? God spoke and the heavens were. God spoke and the birds of the air and the beasts of the field were created. God spoke and it was. God spoke and it was. God spoke and it was. Does God really need me to do something? No. Now, I... I am so grateful that God said, Ed, today I want you to bring a message to this congregation. I'm going to let, let you in on a little secret. Okay? I'm not that talented. If you look in the Bible, God has used donkeys to speak. Okay? So I have the same job as a donkey. But I still get to do it. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, See, God doesn't need me to do it. But you know what he does do? He lets me do it. See, God has brought into my life destiny, and he's brought into my life purpose. Yeah. I, we, we live in a world, we, we, see, we see all around us people who are living life without purpose. And without the purpose, they're really living life without hope. And so what they do is they chase after these things to try to fill this void in their life. They chase after these things to try to fill the vacuum in their life. That's the reason why, you know what's an amazing but true statistic to me? Is that, is that the higher the per capita income of an area, the higher the suicide rate. And the reason for that is because we come to understand the, all these things that we chase after, all these things of the world that we think will fill this void, it doesn't fill the void. Because in each and every one of us, we have this desire for purpose and we have this desire for destiny and we have that because it's the way that God created us. And God created us for purpose. He created us for destiny. That way we can have this wonderful sense of fulfillment. So the fact that God created you to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for you to do, is not because God is some evil, evil taskmaster. It's because God wants you to live this life blessed and go, man, I had an opportunity to be a part of that. Even the idea, listen, even the idea of going out of the highways and byways and compelling them to come in. Like, we freak out over the idea of possibly inviting somebody to church, inviting somebody even to come to a Friday night concert, which I want to challenge you and encourage you to do. But it's a gift that God has given us. It's an opportunity that he's given us. And can I tell you, there's very few things in this life that compare to helping someone go from de-church to church or helping somebody go from unchurched to connected to a living God and seeing the joy in their life. So what God does is he gives us this wonderful gift of purpose. He also gives us this wonderful gift of identity. Listen to this. Remember that, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship, citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise you were without hope and without God in this world and yet God who is rich in mercy see God gives us purpose he gives us identity and he gives us peace see this gift that talks about in Ephesians chapter 2 Ephesians 2 14 says for he himself is our peace 
And when we're walking with God, it is amazing to me how often like issues can be swirling in the world around us, challenges can be in front of us. And yet that peace, that peace that Paul talks about, right? Paul says this, and in in, in this peace that transcends all understanding will, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And you know, Lisa, here's what I found as I navigate life, that, that it's so easy for me to have many more questions and answers in my head to just be spinning. And, uh, and there are a few days that, that there's not, there's not passions that drive my heart and heartache from disappointment. And so the questions in my mind, have the, they will regularly create stress. And the emotions in my heart will regularly, regularly create stress, right? I have emotional, emotional stress and mental stress. And yet, the peace of God that transcends goes beyond anything that we can figure out. It guards our heart and our mind in Christ Jesus. And we're sitting there and we're looking at the bills and we're looking at the bank balance. <laughs> and <laughs> there's more numbers on the bills and there's numbers on the bank balance and yet we have this strange peace. Right? Doctor gives a bad diagnosis. We have this peace. Somebody that we love is, is, man, they're going off in just a wild direction that we know is unhealthy, and yet in the midst of it, we have this peace. Because we know that God loves them and God has a plan for them, that God's going to use us to help reconcile them to himself. The gift, the gift that Isaiah refers to, for unto us, the gift that Paul references, it is the free gift of God. It is a wise gift because it it brings life to the lifeless and and it brings freedom to the captive. It's a worthwhile gift because it brings purpose and identity and peace. It is a wonderful gift. It's a wonderful gift because it's bigger than, than anything that we're able to ask for. Here's, here's what it says just, a, little, just a, a few verses later into the next chapter, Ephesians chapter three says this, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask. God does more than we can even conceive. It's bigger than we can even imagine. Now, to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or even imagine. Everything I need, he has already provided. I might not see it. There are areas in my life Even today, there are areas in in my life where my need is greater than the supply that I see. But it is not greater than the supply that I have. Let me say that again. The need that I have is far greater than the supply that I see. 
It is not greater than the supply that I have. On, on uh, Tuesday, I went to the grocery store, and I'm trying to find the right size turkey to put in this smoker. And I'm looking, and there are 9-pound turkeys, and there are 19-pound turkeys. And I need about a 12-pound turkey. Actually, truthfully, I need two 12-pound turkeys. Let me tell you why I need two 12-pound turkeys. I needed a 12-pound turkey to put in the smoker, and I needed a 12-pound turkey to put in the oven in case my turkey in the smoker turned out really bad. We had a backup turkey. Anybody else have a backup turkey? Yeah. So it tells you how, 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 how much confidence I had in this whole smoking thing, which, by the way, it turned out fabulous. Anyway, um, it really did. So one of, my, one of my son's friends was over, and he said this in the middle of our Thanksgiving meal. He goes, it was funny because he said it quite loudly. He goes, I don't want to say anything, but the smoked turkey is a lot better than that other turkey. I don't know who cooked that other turkey, but so like it was a, competi- like it was a competition. And, uh, but anyway, I'm looking for a 12-pound turkey. I got 9 pounds. I got 19 pounds. And I asked the question. But, oh, by the way, there's another guy that's looking for a 12-pound turkey. He wants it to put in a deep fryer. And uh, so, which we all know that's the redneck turkey. But that's a whole different thing. So, so and he was, he was he, Bob, you would have loved him. He was serious redneck. And uh, so, so he's looking for a 12-pound turkey. He can't find it. He leaves, frustrated. Actually, he says some words about Publix that I'm not going to say. Uh, number one, I don't think Publix deserves it. Number two, I'm not going to use those words. In ch- I don't use those words outside of church. Uh, so... Let's let the record show. Uh, but he says a few choice words and goes walking off. You know what I do? I find the guy that's got the little plastic bonnet on, right? <laughs> right? And uh, looking like a surgeon as he's cutting meat. And uh, I said, uh, hey, do you happen to have any more turkeys in the back? And he goes, oh, yeah. Let me check. <laughs> he says, what size do you need? And I said, I need two 12-pound turkeys. And the guy comes walking out, and he's got these two 12-pound turkeys. And I said, Awesome. Like, you're my new best friend. Let me hug you. No, I didn't, I didn't hug him. So I said, no, thank, thank you very much. See, the supply was a lot more than what was seen. And it's easy for us, as we live this life of faith, it's easy for us to look at what, what we see and go, man, I, I, just, I don't have enough. I'm living with need. Now, to him who's able to do immeasurably more than we can even ask for or even imagine. That's what the, that's what the gift is. It is, a, it is a wise gift. It's a worthwhile gift. It's a wonderful, it's, a, it's an amazing gift. And it's a gift that has been given to me and it's also it's a it's a gift that I have the ability to give I um, last Sunday uh, I had the um the honor of speaking at uh, Grace Generation Church in Bambridge, uh, Ireland, Bambridge, Northern Ireland. Just a great church, seven-year-old church. It's just really seen some, some, some neat things happen in the Lord. And um, on the way to church, um, 
Actually, let me, let me do this. Let me, let me just kind of spider up. Let me, let me sidetrack for just a moment and say, I'm so thankful for a church um, that allows, that, that has a, 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 enough of a heart for the world that it allows me to be gone on a Sunday um, to travel and, and to speak uh, and know this, that God's doing a great work. He's doing a great work. I love the fact that we've got uh, just a phenomenal pastoral team and leadership team. I don't worry when I'm not here. And the fact that, that a church has a mission's heart that says, Pastor, it's fine when you're gone. I don't want you to think it's too fine when I'm gone, um, but uh, I don't want you to like, be happy when I'm gone. Um, but uh, the fact that I can do that, and, and even the church I was in last Sunday, at the end of the message, the pastor said this. He said, you know, we don't normally do altar calls. He didn't use that term. He said, we don't normally do some sort of response. He said, but I just really feel led today that we're supposed to have people respond. And, uh, and conservatively, 70% of that congregation came forward and just, just pressed into the altar. And th- that's an extension of, of who we are. That's an extension of our church. So I just want to say thank you for having art for the world. But, but as, as, I was, as I was making my way to the church, um, a, a, a police car passed us by and a, and, a, and a fire truck passed us by. We got done with church and uh, the pastor was taking, taking, he and his wife were taking me to lunch at a neighboring uh, little village. And, um, and we were gonna get on the motorway, their version of the interstate, and it was backed up. And so we had to turn around and get back off and take the back roads to this restaurant. And then when we were leaving the restaurant, he tried to get on the motorway. And at that point now, there's a police officer and he's blocking the on-ramp on the motorway. And he says, there's been a serious accident and the motorway's closed down in both directions. So we had a Sunday evening service. After the Sunday evening service, I got back to, um, I got back to my hotel room and I got online because I was curious to see uh, what had happened. Because I just, I'd been burdened just all afternoon for whoever was involved in this accident. And it was a single car accident. It was a 74-year-old woman, and, and uh, it, it, was, she was, it, was a, it was a fatal accident. And as I, as I sat there, very quickly, I, I lost the battle of trying to hold back the tears. Because I know this. I know that based on the percentage of people that are Christ followers in Ireland, there's a pretty good chance that, that, that when she died, that she slipped from time into eternity, into a Christless eternity. And I know what that is. And it just, it broke my heart. I, I imagine the memorial service, right? That memorial service without hope. And it crushed me. But as I was thinking about that woman, I was I was thinking about my neighbors and yours. I was thinking about how we live in such a profoundly unchurched and dechurched city. And yet we hear songs on the radio and we'll sing songs in our church like the best gift of all is Jesus. Now, a good percentage of us went out sometime this weekend and we shopped for a gift. The tech-savvy folks in the room, you already have an idea of what you're looking for on Cyber Monday. And we, we, have, we have gifts that we want to get for loved ones 
to bless their day. Some of us, we have those obligatory gifts that we have to give for our, our work Christmas deal. The gift exchange or the secret Santa. Sometimes those gifts, it can be more of secret Satan than secret Santa. But it is true that the best gift of all is Jesus. So as we close this morning, let me, let me close with these, I believe, very important, very essential thoughts. Number one is, as you, as you engage in this Christmas season, as you engage in the, the giving and the receiving of gifts, let with, with each gift box you see, you see with, 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 with each section of wrapping paper you unwrap, Let God use those to, to remind you. For unto us. For you are saved by grace through faith. It is the gift, the gift, the gift. As you're, as you're saying thank you. Thank you, thank you for such a wonderful gift. Let's, let's make sure this, this Christmas season that we, that we do our best to give God a worthwhile response to this wise gift, to this worthwhile gift, to this wonderful gift. And then number three, recognize the needs that you can meet. Kind of cool to get gifts that meet a need. Man, I needed that. Thank you so much. Marvin, thanks for buying me socks. I know they were cheap, but I still needed them. And then there are those gifts that not only do we need them, but we go, man, that's, that's nicer than anything I've ever had in my life. Like this is the coolest gift I've ever received. See, that's what Jesus is. And there are people that you will cross paths with today that you can give them the most needed gift and the most amazing gift that they've ever received. And it's as simple as saying, hey, let me talk to you. If that's uncomfortable to you, it's as easy as saying, listen, this Friday night, there's this, for lack of a better term, there's this variety show that's happening uh, at our church. No pressures, no offering, no preaching. 
come hang out with me. I'll feed you before, I'll feed you after. I'll feed you during. We got cup holders in our church. Here's the promise that I make to you. If you invite people to come this Friday night, we'll we'll present a, a, a concert and if you'll, if you'll let me use this term, we'll present a show that they'll go, that's pretty cool. There's some amazing stuff. We're going to have a dancing hippopotamus. We're going to have some girl dangling from the ceiling on a silk. They won't let me do that, insurance reasons, they say. And we will, in a very easy, simple way, We'll help you present to your friend, to your coworker, to your neighbor, your friend. We'll help you present the best gift they can ever receive and the most needed gift they have in their life. Bring them, bring them next Sunday. Because see, far unto us has been given the greatest gift. And we have been given the opportunity, the the honor of sharing that gift with others. This wise, worthwhile, wonderful gift. And lastly, if you're here this morning or if you're watching via the number of media expressions that we use. And you've kind of been wondering about this thing, but you've, you've not fully embraced the gift of Jesus. Right? You, you hear scriptures like Ephesians 2 where it says, for it is by grace that you have been saved. And you go, I, I, don't, I, don't, I can't really say that I've been saved. It's the free gift of God by faith. Here's what that means. It, it means this. It means that, that coming to the realization that God is who he claims to be, and by the way, he is, that the story of Jesus is true, and there's been so much scrutiny over this, and it's been, ta- been time-tested over and over again throughout the centuries. Despite what any skeptics might say, the evidence is overwhelming that Jesus is exactly who he claims to be and who we claim him to be. And what that means is he is the answer for the void in your life. And it's as simple as this, as saying, God, I receive the gift that you make available to me. I acknowledge the fact that I have a void in my life, that I'm imperfect, that what your Bible calls a sinner. And I appreciate the fact that the Bible says that, that there's an eternity to my life and I will spend eternity with you or without you. And I know what like, life is like without you. And so God, I'm choosing today to accept the gift of Jesus to where I can have eternal life with you. It's the most important decision. It's the most important declaration that you can ever make. And I don't say this to frighten you, but I do say this because none of us are promised tomorrow. That lady that was driving down that motorway in Ireland, I 
I'm convinced that she knew that she had, in her mind, that she had plenty of time. So how about today? How about today you say yes to Jesus? How about today you say, God, bring my focus back to this great gift. How about today you take this wise, wonderful, worthwhile gift and give it. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.